Tom, it's a privilege to be here in worship with you this morning. Would you open up your Bibles and join me in um, Philemon uh, chapter 1. It's the only chapter, and we're going to start in verse 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, take the one out in front of you. It's on page 837 in the Pew Bibles, 837, and... That's where we will begin, and if you don't own a Bible, take that one home with you. We would love for you to have it as our gift to you today. Uh, Philemon, beginning at verse 4. The Apostle Paul writes, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord God, we do thank you for your word. And we thank you for your presence in and through this place, through the moments of celebration and the moments of sorrow and everything that happens in between, that you have called this body together as your church, that we might be a witness to the light around us. And God, we pray that as we express our thanks to you for that witness and look back on this last year that you would be pleased and glorified in everything that we've done and everything that we feel called to do. It is all for you, and it is all for those who don't know you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, as Ted mentioned in the announcements, it is Celebration Sunday, um, because who wants to just have a boring meeting, right? And so what we've done the last several years is, is uh, our worship services, we look back and celebrate the many ways in which God has worked in and through our church to be a blessing so that we can go forth and be a blessing to others. And normally, we end this with a recap video um, of, of some of the highlights from this last year. But this year we kind of figured, who doesn't like eating dessert before the main dish, right? And so for the next few minutes, let's watch this short highlight going through just some. We couldn't possibly fit it all, but just some of the many ways God has worked in and through this place in 2019. Let's watch. Though the tears may fall, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. While there's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. Though the waters rise, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. While there's hope in this heart, I will praise you, Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength.
first time this morning, you may feel like you walked into a family reunion that you're not a part of, all these wonderful pictures. But let me assure you, every year we do this, I, I look at those pictures and I think, my goodness, every one of those represents someone who's become family. It represents a moment where God has worked in and through this place. And my prayer for you is next year, that's how you're going to feel as you come in and, and you get to experience the love of God as it is expressed in this place. Uh, the first person that I'd like to invite to have come forward here is our council president, Ed Scarrow. As I said at the last two services, we are so incredibly blessed. Uh, to have Ed as a leader. He is a leader not just here in this church, but in every facet of his life, and a humble leader at that, um, has been behind championing what God has been calling us to do in so many different places as God's servant. And so, uh, without any more from me, would you please give a very warm welcome to Ed Scarrow as he comes up. Thanks, Pastor Tom. Uh, for me, it's an honor to be up here today as I think about everything we've been through in 2019, uh, starting off with the Light of World, um, tremendous gift offering, which our congregation came back and, and really um, matched that gift and beyond. And, and then we look forward to numerous projects that was part of our proposed plan. And to see all that happen 
uh, and actually get done in a short amount of time. Uh, this demonstrates to me what the true gifts of a church family, when they pull together and work together, make things happen. Um, I just think that I've really been a witness to God's will for our church here. And it's, to me, it's, it's, it's humbling, but it's very exciting to see things like that happen. Um, one of the big things that I'd like to share with the, the congregation is that in early October, our leadership reached out to everybody uh, in our church family saying that we're projecting a budget deficit of almost $26,000. Well, I'm, I'm happy to tell you that you'll see in the detailed uh, final numbers that we almost completely closed that gap. We're just $1,200 shy. So praise God. And for me, looking ahead to 2020, uh, an exciting thing is the fact that our, our volunteer base that you know, helps with communion and greeting and, and ushering. It's increased 80% since year over year. We're up to 127 people that have committed uh, to donating their time every Sunday. And that to me, as a welcome team leader, I can't be more excited when I show up and I actually meet new people, new faces. It's just, to me, it demonstrates um, the trajectory that we're on and that, um, you know, there's new people here each week and they're going to be part of our family. We just need to embrace that. I close, I want to share with you um, some scripture from Matthew chapter 5, 15 and 16. People don't hide a lamp under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand. Then the light shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. That's really my challenge and calling for us in 2020 is do not let your light in 2020 go out. Share your light. Come and serve each week and serve with others. Um, this is an exciting time for our church, and I'm happy that we're all here together. Thank you. If you see the picture up front there, we had a volunteer banquet uh, a couple of months ago to thank our volunteers, and it was a pizza uh, contest. That was from where, Ed? Larducci's. Larducci's. It was very good, but it wasn't the winner, and neither was the next one. We'll get to that by the end. Um, the next person we'd like to invite up here is our council vice president, uh, Stephen Quist. He and his wife, Cassie, lead our uh, children's ministry here at St. John's, and uh, we are blessed by them and their leadership as well. Let's give a warm welcome to Steve. Oh, you need your notes. There you go. It was rigged. <laughs> uh, 2019 was another year full of growth and change for St. John's kids. Our focus remains on encouraging kids to make wise choices, build strong relationships, and develop a deeper faith. We are incredibly thankful for our children's ministry volunteers. This work could not be done without you. And I see a few of them in here. Can we please give them a round of applause? In addition to that, we couldn't do it without you parents and without the help of the congregation as a whole, um, whether it be filling in to volunteer, showing up at our activities, or it's amazing, every time we send out something for snacks, we just have Costco boxes of things show up. <laughs> it's incredible, even if the 100-pack only has 97 or so 
<laughs> Ed? <laughs> we'll take 97, that's fine. <laughs> Quality control. Keep, keep the kids safe. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. <laughs> uh, each year, we look to continue expanding our programming. This year, um, this past year, the focus was on proving, improving St. John's kids over the summer. Uh, we offered several fun Sundays, like Slip and Slide into Summer, uh, Mess Fest, which was incredibly messy, and a Slime Day, which did not get poured on me this year. All of these improvements to our programming led to more consistent attendance throughout the summer. Our total summer attendance nearly doubled, going from 57 kids to 104 kids. So thank you, and thank all the parents. Thank you for your guys' commitment. It wouldn't happen without you if you weren't making it a priority at home. So we are so happy to continue sharing God's word with our families throughout those busy summer months. We also hosted our first annual Star Spangled Kids event during Elkhorn's 4th of July celebration. We provided free activities, games, and most importantly, a giant 90-foot inflatable obstacle course for kids and adults of all ages. <laughs> So that was awesome, and it was a great opportunity. We got to share information about our church with literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families. Um, it was an awesome event. Uh, this year also saw us shift our age range to try to better fit the needs of our congregation. We added programming all the way down to three-year-olds this year. Uh, we also made the decision to move sixth graders into Blast Youth Group. All these changes have led to continued growth. Uh, we went from having 38 kids actively involved in St. John's Kids in 2018 to 49 kids actively involved in 2019. Meeting the needs of the uh, children ages 3 years old to 12 year old remains our top priority, and we are so happy to provide developmentally appropriate curriculum for everyone. Uh, going forward in 2020, we're excited. The new mission is to reach even the younger kids in the nursery. So if you bring your 3 and under kids and at 9.15 or at 10.45, uh, we are now offering some programming in the nursery um, so the little ones can get a little something too. So we're really excited for that. Um, they're doing a great job in there already. So And the kids love it, so it's really excited. There's an awesome video. It's been stuck in my head for about a week and a half, um, but it's good. So <laughs> uh, we're working hard this year to foster the connections not only with the children who participate in our program, but with the families as well. And guys... I said it earlier, but it would not happen if you weren't involved in their lives. So can you give yourselves a round of applause, too? Uh, here at St. John's, we get roughly 40 hours a year with the kids to share God's word and guide them on their faith journey. Fostering relationships with our children's families allows us to tap in to the almost 3,000 hours parents get with their children throughout the year. This allows us to work together as a team to reinforce what is talked about on Sundays at home and to ensure our children know how much they are loved and cared for. So look this year, we really wanted to provide more opportunities, more events, more family-focused things. Um, we're going to continue to grow that, and thank you, everyone, for being involved and supporting St. John's Kids. Thank you, Steve. And last but certainly not least, um, we want to invite Wendy Ellsworth to come up. Wendy um, also participated. She was one of our council leaders. And her pizza was the winning pizza from where? Hold your applause. Um, Wendy is also a council member and is one of our blast um, 
middle school, high school team leaders, and it was just in kind of off-the-cuff conversation. So you have to be careful if you tell a really good story to the pastor. He might say, well, you say it in church, because that's what I did. We are, we are a multi-generational family of faith, and so as much as we possibly can, um, we want to include people of all ages in the things that we do. And every year we have a giving tree where we have numerous gifts that people can take off uh, to be able to purchase for uh, families locally as well as abroad. And our youth ministry participates in this by taking several of those each year. And the way that they participate and their investment in this just, to me, was one of so many examples of the ways that those kids and their leaders and so many other places in this church are reaching out with the love of Christ. And I'd like Wendy to share it. So now, let's give a warm welcome to Wendy Ellsworth. Thank you. Good morning. Um, as Pastor Tom said, I'm just one of the seven leaders uh, of our BLAST youth group that meets on Wednesday nights. And in early December, we told the kids, we're going shopping. We're going to go shopping for Christmas gifts that Tracy Jacobson picked off the giving tree. And so we met here at church on a Wednesday night, and we told the kids, whatever money you bring and donate is what we have to shop with. Um, so the leaders were going on faith that the kids would remember to bring money and bring enough to hopefully cover all the gifts that um, we had picked off the tree. And it wasn't until the last student walked in that night for youth group that we knew how much money we were going to have to spend. So we split into our five groups, and on the way to um, Walmart, Tracy counted up the money. We gathered 33, a mob of middle school, high school kids enter Walmart, we take a picture, and Tracy said, let's split into five groups. You each have a $40 budget. And so she handed each group their shopping list. And I'm like, wow, the kids brought in a lot of money. We have money to shop with. It was only the kids. The adults didn't donate anything. Um, we were just there to supervise um, and make sure, you know, Walmart was in one piece when we left. Um, but so my kids, I had a group of middle school girls, and we looked at our shopping list and they really took charge. They said, okay, we have a four-year-old boy that needs a pair of winter gloves. And we have a 10-year-old girl that wants art supplies. And they said, let's shop for the gloves first because then we can spend the rest of our budget on art supplies. So we headed to the kids section. And as the girls were looking for the gloves, they said, if this is all that the boy wants, they have to be good. No four-year-old boy can go out playing in the snow and have wet gloves after just a few minutes. So they found a pair of gloves that was warm. They're like, oh, is this going to fit a four-year-old boy? And they tried to stuff their hands in them. And one of the girls is like, oh, my brother's about this age, so I think these will be perfect. And the girls started talking about their budget and their cost of the gloves. And they said, wait, when we get to the checkout, there's tax. And they're like, so we got to, you know, figure that out, too, so we have enough money. And so the gloves were just under $9. They said, they said, okay, $9 we have. That leaves $31 for art supplies. Let's head over to the art supplies. And we head over to that section of Walmart, and as the girls are perusing the shelves, they're like, we have $31. We need to get the best. We need to pick out gifts that we would want to open on Christmas morning, even though these gifts aren't for us. So they started looking at things and picking things off the shelves, and they're like, ooh, this would be great, but they're like, ooh, we could really get this. Well, 
Ultimately, they picked out a 96-piece art set that had paints and markers and colored pencils, everything you could possibly want, as well as a blank sketchbook so the girl could create her own designs and an inspirational teenage fancy coloring book. Um, and they said, this is great. These are the things we would love to open. And so as we head back up to the um, checkout, shoppers and workers were asking, what is this mob of teenagers doing in Walmart? And the, the kids said, we're shopping with our youth group. We're buying gifts for our giving tree. And they couldn't believe that kids would have given their own money to give gifts away to people. And we went through the checkout, and the following week at youth group, we wrapped the gifts, and the joy that was on the kids' face was amazing. They knew they were never going to meet these kids, but they knew that they were bringing joy to their hearts Christmas morning. Um, and so that was just an awesome, awesome experience to witness as a youth leader, that our middle school and high school kids were willing to give of themselves and have just joy when others were in need. So we look forward to having um, many more experiences like that uh, with our youth and give them opportunities to serve and give back to the community. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. Yeah, it, well, you took yours and I left mine, so now I'm going to have to grab mine. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Can we, we have got just the most incredible leadership here at St. John's and staff. Can we praise God? Because we have a small paid staff and um, like our youth ministry, for example, that is an entirely volunteer led team as are so many of the efforts here and the way in which God is working through you. And so um, just so grateful for each of you. As I, as I think about 2019, um, you're gonna have to kind of follow me here. I'm gonna take you on a tangent and then I'll bring you back. But have you ever have you ever wondered what makes a sunrise so beautiful? Anybody ever sit and ponder that? Maybe sunsets are more your thing, but it, whatever it is, it, the sun, I was thinking about this the other day, the sun doesn't drastically change from day to day, right? Like the size, the shape, the color, the brightness, it's the same. And yet, if you've stayed awake or you've gotten up early, you'll notice that there's no two sunrises that are ever alike. And so I, I did a little research. I wanted to find out why. And what I learned was that the colors that capture our gaze are actually the, the response or, or what they're doing is they're reflecting rays of light that are bouncing off of the countless particles that are moving in and throughout our atmosphere. And there's this technical term for it. It is known as the phenomenon scattering. Scattering is the word. And it has the power to create the most beautiful sunrises that can take your breath away. And as I was thinking about that, it brought to mind something else. It was a quote from the famous Christian author C.S. Lewis, who presented once an essay for the Oxford Socratic Club, essentially defending why he believed the Christian faith is more than just a good story. And his closing line was this. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it... I see everything else. And the whole, the whole essay is a fascinating read, but 
in it, he, he says, I'll give you just a very brief synopsis. He says that if, if he were to pick a religion based on how poetic or entertaining the stories within its scriptures are, he would probably have gone with something like Greek mythology before he would have picked the Bible. I guess according to Lewis, the stories of Zeus are more exciting than a shepherd boy like David or the son of a carpenter in Nazareth named Jesus. But the reason Lewis chose the stories and the lessons of the Bible and the faith off of which it is built, the Christian faith, is that they serve a function that is infinitely more important than entertainment. They make sense of life itself. See, the Bible primarily was not written for yours and my entertainment, even if there are parts in it that are entertaining. Rather, it is intended to reveal the light the very light of God into the world. The the gospel writer John, who writes the story of Jesus in our scriptures, says that Jesus was the word incarnate. And in the first couple verses of his gospel, he says that in Jesus was life and that that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I don't know about you, but that reminds me of a sunrise. Sounds a lot like a sunrise. And that light John unfolds throughout the rest of his gospel is in the person of Jesus, the Son of God, his life, his death, his death for our sins, his resurrection as the firstborn of all who believe and have life in his name. And he later goes on to say that as you and I grow in our faith and we follow Jesus, that we get to become that light in a world of darkness so that as people see that light, as Ed shared from the Gospel of Matthew, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Friends, the purpose of the Bible is not to entertain us. The purpose of the church is not to entertain us. It is to build one another up in the faith so that we can reflect the light of God to one another and the world around us, just like a sunrise. So that just like a sunrise, as God's light is reflected off of us, his church, his beautiful bride, it can also create something unique and breathtaking in the process. Now, thank you for going on that tangent with me because this is the image that comes to my mind as I have prayerfully reflected back on the seemingly countless examples of ways God has moved in and through this church to shed his light through the world around us. You and I have been blessed to to be co-laborers with God as his light has been scattered. And as I look back, yes, some of the experiences can be described with the word scattered. But then again, when I look back on my life in 2019, I would say some of that looks scattered too. Am I alone? Anybody else with me? Okay, show of hands. I want to make sure I'm not alone. (laughs) And here's why. Now, all of you raised your hands. First two services are like, I'm not sure yet. Here's why I want you to admit that. Because like a sunrise, sometimes scattered can be beautiful. And I saw this. I saw the beautiful scattering of the church in the many building projects that we completed this year, like our welcome space that's right outside those doors of our church. I saw it as we created space for our growing church family to worship and to experience God's presence in community. And many of you have no idea just how many hours and sweat and even blood was shed to lay those floors and to hang those lights 
and to make the absolute best use of every penny that was sacrificed for God in his work in this place. And we could not have been more thankful this year. And we could not have planned for the ways in which this space would need to be used as a place of gathering and of comfort and of peace when our church was called to host 10 funerals for the saints who have gone before us into the gates of heaven. Ten people who have lived in our midst and are a part of our church family. And as a pastor, I officiated a total of 15 funerals. Five of those were people that had no connection to any church whatsoever. And because of you, as I look back and as I think about those things and I think about those moments and I think about the purpose of the church and why we're here, you allowed God to use you to radiate the hope of eternal life in the darkness of death. And it wasn't just through the space of the church, but it was through things like hospitality as so many of you take off work and come and help provide meals and luncheons or share the gospel by calling and being alongside those who have lost their loved ones. I could go on and on and on and I just think to myself, how do people get through life without a church, without a church family? And that goes for every season of life. I said to Jake, who's the the new fiancé to Megan, um, we passed each other in between the services, and Jake's only been worshiping here for a couple couple months now or something. And um, enough for us to check him out, make sure he's good for our daughter, Megan. He's awesome. He's awesome. And, And I said to him, I said, Jake, don't you love being part of a church when you get to celebrate something like this that happened just 24 hours ago? Can we praise God again for their... I mean, who do you tell, right? We tell our family, but you tell your church family as we get to celebrate. I look at our kids' ministry and our youth ministries as they shared. We look back, and and according to our records, we were able to reach 93 unique young people over the last year. Now, not all 93 came at a single time, and I think some of our leaders are feeling pretty good about that. Walmart might have kicked you out if you brought 93 middle schoolers. But that's the people. Each one represents a soul, a young soul that we have had the privilege of having an influence on with the love of Jesus. And the truth is, the scattered nature of attendance, even not being able to be here every week, is is becoming more and more common in many of our scattered lives. But we're here. Every single week, you're here encouraging our young people to grow and to become more consistent in their faith. And as you heard, they're going out now, and they're sharing that faith with others. As I look at our church as a whole, our average weekly attendance has grown. Many of you have been around for a while. You've you've remarked to me and others how there's so many new faces all the time as you come in. But what I was interested in this year was this number that's on that handout that some of you got when you came in. If you didn't get it, we'll give it to you on your way out. That kind of gives some of our statistics. And one of them was that there are 430 people that worship here at St. John's on a regular basis. 430 people that, like the kids and, and youth, maybe they're not here every week, but they're here more often than just once a year. This is their church. On Christmas Eve, we, we had almost 600 people, 595 walk through the doors of this congregation. 
And not only did we need every square inch of that space back there, we had 65 people worship in the overflow at the service that was most well attended. But more important than that, we needed every single one of our volunteers that serve on the welcome team as an usher and a greeter and those who distribute Holy Communion. As Ed said before, it is an 80-some percent increase. We have to thank Tanya, our parish coordinator, for her efforts in those things. It's been incredible to watch her and our welcome team leadership as they have been encourage so many of you to serve and what that adds up to at this moment is that 127 of you have said yes to serving God on a regular basis can we praise God for that The reason I think it's so important that we praise God for that is because I have the privilege of meeting so many of those new faces when they decide to make this their church home and they go to the pizza with the pastor course and we go around the room and we talk about why you came and what God has done and why you stayed. And, and you may not know this, but I hear that the number one reason that people tell me over and over again in why they stayed at this church is because the people here are friendly. That they were greeted with a smile. That they felt wanted. That they felt accepted. And, and you don't have a clue. Some of you do. Some of, I, I'm sure many of you do. And how important that is when you walk in the door and you're newly engaged. And somebody wants to know about your life. Or when you were just diagnosed with a terrible disease. Or you had the worst week at work. Or you had the best. Whatever it is. This community is important and people feel wanted when they walk in the doors because so many of you are being used by God to scatter his light into the world. I see distinct colors in every family that we've been privileged to partner with and serve alongside. I see it in our incredible music ministry. Can we thank Lisa Falcon for leading us? And I'm calling her out by name because I know it is the thing that she hates more than anything else. And I love that this morning, do you know where she stood? Right here. She sang out, she led the team, but she stood here as her son was playing piano, who actually tied, I believe, for Mr. Elk at the Mr. Elk. We've got, we've got, we've got some, somebody, yeah, you can praise God for that, Yeah. I don't know where he is, probably taking a nap because of snowball. I don't know. But Lisa, oh, no, he's right there. Now you can look back, and now you can. I was going to say embarrass him, but I don't, I don't think he can be embarrassed. <laughs> he's not napping. What I'm so grateful for, for Lisa and for her leadership and for our team, is her ability and Jennifer at the 8 o'clock service as well to draw out the gifts of others to draw out those of us who have gifts. Some of us who are in the pews who say, I want to use that gift, and, and, and they feel encouraged to. And, and to, to do that with, with a team of people from all different generations as well, we're just so incredibly blessed. And we are the beneficiaries, those of us in the pews, because it helps lead us in our efforts to worship God. I see rays of hope in every dollar that has been given this year to, to help fund God's mission in places like outside our four walls, like our missionaries as they serve in Kisumu, Kenya. Uh, many of you know, and we alluded to the light of the world gift that was given at the beginning of this year, and we felt as a family, as a church family, as that was given to us as a matching challenge, that we too would give then a portion of that outside these four walls. And so we gave 10%, that was $6,000, and Holly and Fred had shared with us a while back, she said, 
there's this need we have. We need a new vehicle. They were driving. It was like a Yugo. <laughs> it wasn't a Yugo, but it looked like that, just tiny little car. And that was the only transportation they had to be able to get missionaries and food and supplies out to some of the remote places that they are able to serve and that you support. And they told us about this great need, but with taxes and transition, all sorts of stuff, it was going to cost something like $30,000 to buy a used vehicle. And so we gave 10% of what we had been given. That was $6,000. And we gave that as a springboard in prayer that others would come alongside and make that need met. And we found out, if you weren't here on the Sunday that we celebrated it, that before Christmas, they were able to purchase the vehicle in full. And those of you who gave uh, food baskets on the giving tree, that food was able to be given and distributed out to the village that we give it to because of that vehicle. Vehicle and because of your generosity. Praise God for what he has done. Our teenagers spent a week in the impoverished mountain communities of Colorado, thanks to so many of you being so generous. And again, we said it before and I'll say it again, 116 gifts were given this past Christmas to families in our own community through our local giving tree. And I feel like every year we put more on the tree, hoping that people will take them, and you take every single one every year. Praise God for that. I could go on and on and on, and if you've been here before, you know I can go on and on and on, and I'm not going to do that. I want to leave you, though, with the reading we started with from Philemon. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote it. It's a letter that he wrote to, um, to his friend as he himself was imprisoned in Rome. And it's one of the shortest books in the Bible. And it's so very powerful as he writes this letter to his brother in the faith. He begins with verse 4. He says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. Isn't that an incredible thing? For us to proclaim as well. Paul is praising Philemon and his church because of their example of loving others because they have been loved by God. Verse 6, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding for every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Philemon and his church that meets in his home has refreshed the hearts of others by reflecting God's light. And for the rest of the letter, Paul goes on to challenge him in love, don't stop. And he says, what you're going to do in the future is going to be difficult. He invites him specifically in his faith to express that light in hard places. He invites him to reconcile himself with a former slave that he has been estranged with. Paul met that guy in prison. It was a God coincidence. And that man came to Christ. And as hard as it's going to be for those two to come back together, Philemon is called by Paul to do the hard work so that others would see that Christians live life differently. And by the end of his letter, he was confident that he would do the right thing because as he looks back on the past, he can see just how faithful Philemon and his people are. As your pastor I want you to know that I feel the same way about you and about this church. 
I feel great joy. I feel encouragement from you. And I also know that that means that God is going to call each of us to go into hard places this next year. And he is going to give us the light that it takes to radiate his love in a world of darkness. And if I needed any further confidence in that, I was given it just this week. I'll leave you with this story. I've been, been praying for several weeks that God would give me at least one example to share. Every day there's examples that are going on in our midst of how God is sharing his love. And it was Friday that I was, I was writing my message, actually. I got a message from a woman named Peggy. Peggy is the daughter of um, Ray Gardner, Ray and Orlean. Um, I've got a picture, I think, on the next slide. If you don't know who they are, they've been longtime members of St. John's. They're very quiet. They usually sit back in, in the back pew back there. Um, and Peggy emailed me um, to tell me that Ray had broken his hip earlier that day, and he was going to need to, to have surgery. Now, if you don't know Ray, Ray is he's turned 90 this year, and I can tell you that because they wanted us to celebrate that, and so we did at the service he and his wife attended. Um, he is a former Marine. Uh, he served our country at the end of World War II, and as far as his faith is concerned, he's had a faith in Jesus for about as long as he can remember. And so I walked into to Ray's hospital room Friday afternoon to pray with him. And I was surprised to find in a man who just a couple hours ago had fallen and broken his hip, he had the biggest smile on his face. And it was even bigger than the smile that you see in this picture. And Ray said, Pastor, as soon as I walked in, he said, Pastor, thank you so much for coming and praying with me. And I need to tell you something. I've been meaning to tell you this for the last several years, but I didn't want to bother you after church, and there's lots going on. And, and his family and I, we kind of joked with him. We said, you didn't have to go to the hospital to get my attention. You could have called. Like, that would have been fine, too. But he laughed. We all laughed. And, and, and he continued. He said, he said, Pastor, I just need you to know how so very thankful I am for my church. I was just writing my message to tell you <laughs> Some of the many ways that we have to be thankful for our church. And I walk into this hospital room, and Ray says, I just, for years, I've, I've wanted to tell you this, how so thankful I am for this church, and specifically the way in which the last number of years have enabled me to be able to praise Jesus with my whole heart. That's what he said. And through the hearing of God's word, that I've been able to understand my faith in a better way, that I get to sing songs. He just went on and on and on and on. He said, and and it, was, it was to the point he had so much joy that I almost forgot that he had just broken his hip, and he was smiling, and I thought, I actually asked him this. I said, I said Ray, did they give you a lot of pain medicine? Like, he was just so happy. And, and he looked at me, and, and he said, no, pastor, if I move an inch, I'll scream. That's how much pain he was in, in that moment. And so I'm like, Ray, how is your faith in Jesus encouraging you right now in the midst of all of this? How is it encouraging you? And he said to me, it's very simple. He said, because I know that Jesus is holding me. Jesus is with me. I know that he loves me, he's with me, he's with my wife, he's with my family, their two daughters, their granddaughter, they're all standing in the room, and he says, it's going to be okay no matter what. No matter what happens, Jesus is going to be with me and with my wife and with my children and my grandchildren, and all I could think about as he was talking was the title to the old hymn, Blessed Assurance. You know the hymn? <laughs> 
It goes, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And all I could think of is that I am staring in the face of that hymn as I look into the eyes of Ray Gardner and a broken hip. Blessed assurance, not because he isn't in pain, not because he's ignorant to the potential complications. The surgery went well, I praise God for that. But that in the midst of all of that, he knows that Jesus is his. That his faith has been strengthened for this moment. And he told me that that is in part due to the work of God as it has occurred through you, this church. And friends, that's exactly the way God has intended it to be. And so I asked him, I said, would you be okay if I shared that with the church this morning? And he said, yes, you can. Friends, I hope Ray's faith encourages you. I hope it's a blessing to you. And I hope you know that God's love is shining through you and through this place and encouraging people like Ray, like a sunrise. It's beautiful, it's new, it's scattered. And just like the sunrise, it's only the beginning. And so could we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the work that you're doing in this place. God, as we, as we share this story of the way you're working in and through the comfort of your faith and Ray's life, we want to pray for his continued healing and thank you. We want to thank you for answering our prayers as he has come through his surgery well. And, and God, we thank you for the many people who have come alongside him after I went to visit with him. He had several people from the church call and visit and pray with and offer their support, so much so that his family reached out again and said they're just overwhelmed by the love of God through their church. Lord God, each of us needs that. It's why you gave us this gift to become a part of, that, that we become your body so that we might hold up the other members when they need to be held up, God, and so that as we live out our faith, the world around us will see us and they will say there's something different there. There's more joy there. There's more comfort there. There's more peace there. There's more strength there. So that as they see the light of Christ, as it illuminates the world by bouncing off the particles that make up the church, Lord God, that they might see us and praise your name in heaven. Because you are our hope. You are our gift. You are our life. You are our salvation. The salvation of the world. You are the son that we don't believe in only because we see you, but because through you we see everything. So as we open our eyes, we remember that 2,000 years ago, you, you took bread. Jesus, you took bread with the disciples on the night that you would be betrayed as you would go to the cross to die for the sins of the world. And you broke bread and you said, take and eat, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat this. Whenever you eat it, remember me. After the supper, you took the cup of blessing gave thanks and gave it for all to drink and said, take and drink this cup. It's the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat this and drink this, remember me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we are reminded that God is with us so that we in turn can be used by him 
to expand his presence to those who don't yet know him. And if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, no matter what your background, who you are, where you've been, where you're going, the first step and the step we have to come back to over and over again is to open up your hands as a sign of surrender to God as he opens our hearts and as we pray the way Jesus has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As the ushers come forward to dismiss you by row, come. Come to the table.